Wherever you're watching around the world, we're so glad you've taken time to watch this broadcast. We pray that God touches you even through the cameras that you see us today and you feel what God's doing. If you're ever in our area, be our guest. Please come in, stop in. We'd love to meet you, give you some free gifts, and just to shake your hand and let us know that we appreciate you very, very much. Today, we're going to start a brand new series we're calling The Essentials of Christ. This series will provide an avenue, a foundation of spiritual maturity in your life. The last series, The Good News, we're going to go right off of that in spring. The, he talked about it last week when Paul wrote to us, and so our response is now we live our life in response to the good news. Giving our life as a living sacrifice to God is a part of how we worship him now in response to the good news I must want to grow. I should want to grow. It demands a response from us. And so we're going to talk about how we can do that today in this new series throughout this whole next month of November. We're going to be talking about the essentials of Christ leading right to spiritual maturity. Now let's go right to our text as we lay the foundation. Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. Now, Hebrews was, was wrote by a guy by the name of, we don't know. So we don't know exactly. Many people think it was Peter. Some think it was Paul. Actually, some people think it was a guy who really, really liked coffee. He brews. Come on now, you'll get with me today. All right, there we go. Dad jokes will be here all day long. All right, let's get right to it. Verses one and two. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to what? Maturity. Let's say it again. Let us go on to? Maturity, not laying down, laying again, the foundation, that's an important, he expects us to lay a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, and of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So what he was saying here, the writer was saying to us, there must be a foundation for maturity to happen. The reason why we're not growing, the reason why we don't see the maturity the way we want is probably because we haven't laid the correct foundation in our life. We must first lay the foundation. The most important part of any building structure is the foundation. You can't build until you get permission on the foundation. Until your foundation passes inspection, the inspectors come out, they look it over, they pressure test it. Will this foundation hold the building they're trying to build on it? And once they are satisfied that the foundation is strong enough to hold the type of building that you're trying to build on the foundation, then and only then will you get the green tag that says you can go forward in building. Otherwise, you're gonna get a red tag. Go back and correct it because it will not hold the foundation of the building you're trying to build on it. It's an important part. We, we need these foundations. Until you lay certain foundations, you're not going to grow to maturity. For many of us here, this is why we haven't grown in foundation. We, we're trying to skip and go along to maturity. And you've got to build the foundation first. So why do we need these foundations? Quickly, let me give you three reasons why we need a strong foundation. Number one, safety. Safety first, right? You must have safety. It's unsafe to build your house or building on a weak foundation. It's unsafe. That's why we have to have inspectors who come along. We look at the overall budget of the house, and we will try to cut corners. Builders sometimes, I know as great as they are, may be tempted to cut corners to save a little money. 
And so we have inspectors who are independent of us and the builders who must come and inspect the foundation. It's for our protection. It's for our safety. We want to make sure what they're building is on the safe foundation. It must pass inspection first because of safety reasons. We don't want the winds to blow and for your house to cave in. We don't want the rains to come and your house to be washed away. It's important. So we have to have people who are watching out for our safety. And God says this, I want you to build a strong foundation for your safety. God loves you enough to make you build a strong foundation. He's not going to allow you to superside your foundation and jump ahead and start building this great superstructure if your foundation is not strong enough. So this is the reason why we need to spend so much time. We need to put so much effort into building the foundations because this will determine how big we can build it. Number two, the unexpected stress. We we build for unexpected stress. Look what Luke 6 says down verse 46. Jesus says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? He goes, I will show you what it's like. When someone comes to me and they listen to my teachings and then they follow it, it's like a person who building a house who digs deep. They lay the foundations on the solid rock and when the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it's well built. But the opposite is also true. Anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. And so Jesus said this, whoever hears my word and applies it is the person who is wise and the wise builder. How many people want to have a wise builder? I don't want to just hire some person to build my house who has no experience. Well, I think I can do that. I've been watching YouTube for a couple of weeks. I think I can do this. No, I'm not going to give you my big project. I'm going to go with somebody who's got some experience, who's worked for somebody else who had some experience. They passed that knowledge on to them, and then they garnered all that knowledge, and they put it to use, and they've built and proven, and they know how to build smart. Why? They're wise, and so they know we don't cut corners on the foundation. We're going to build this foundation strong so that you don't come back and sue me later because I did a cheap job and your house fell apart. I want you to build strong. And so it's important we build a wise builder. How many know we have a wise builder? His name is God that we can go to and he can build our foundation of our life much better than me, much better than you. He can build it when we give him control of our foundation. I am giving it over to the wise builder. You know, we are in the middle of a we just purchased that new property and we have an existing building on there and we have an existing parking lot. We're going to build a brand new auditorium and all that's going to look different. But as I was walking it through with the contractor in the old parking lot, it's got places where the parking lot's cracked and starting to come apart. And we talked about what it's going to take to rebuild that parking lot and then add on what we're going to need. And he said, you know, they, they didn't build this parking lot right. They should have put a drainage in when they first built it. Just put a drain in that would push the water to the back, in the back of the drainage ditch, and then they wouldn't have held water because they didn't do it right. They held water, the 
parking lot crumbled and cracked in places and it's deteriorating far before it should have because they didn't build it right. So when we build the new parking lot, we're going to put a drain in before we ever finish the new parking lot. Why? Because it's not that much. You think about it, we're talking about maybe $500 to put some plastic pipe in a drain that goes from the front of the parking lot to the back drainage ditch. It's not a lot. Why wouldn't we spend that money to protect our investment? It makes sense. But for many of us, we, we want to skip over that. We want to skip over and we just want the job done as quickly and as cheap as possible. Listen, don't, don't this is so important. Don't build for the rain. Listen, don't build your foundation for the rain. Build it for the flood. We have too many people who want to build their, their foundation for the rain. It, it'll, it'll hold up under the rain, but will it hold up on the flood? Noah didn't build the ark for the rain. He built the ark for the flood. And that's the reason why his family was saved. That's the reason why his family found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's the reason why his family floated above the flood because their father took a long time building that foundation. Their father said, as for me and my house, we're going to do what the Lord wants us to do. I don't care who mocks us. I don't care who says we're out the date. I don't care who says we're old fashioned. I don't care who says we've lost it. We're going to continue to slowly build a strong foundation. And it's sustained during the flood. Are you building your life for the rain or are you building it for the flood? And number three, we, we built strong foundations because of superstructure. Because of a superstructure. Let me say this to you another way. God will not overbuild on a foundation. God will never overbuild on a foundation. He knows what your foundation can hold. So today, if you are saying, God, why aren't you building bigger things in my life? Could it be that we haven't built a strong foundation so that he can add on to our life the way he wants to add on? Because God's not going to overbuild. And for those who have received that, they have built a strong foundation where God can continue to add on and build bigger structures in their life. I don't want to take the time. Listen, the more time you take building a strong foundation the more room you give God to build something big and great in your life. It's so important. God wants to do something more than you could dream or imagine. Many people don't want to take time to build the strong foundation. They want it now, right? That's the way we are. It's my way now. I want it now. It's my money. I want it now. It's my, I want it now. I want to, I want to be called now. I, I want this ministry now. I want to do this now. Everybody wants it now. We have too many people who just want to do what they, what they like. You know, I can tell you right now, when I preach certain series, there's certain people that are just going to leave. I preach a series about giving, people are going to leave. I don't want to hear about that. I'm going to go down the street, talk about serving. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to serve. I'll go down the street. They're, they're talking about something over here. It's a lot better. It's a lot easier. And we end up jumping around over here at this church for a while because they're teaching this. And as soon as they teach something we don't like that causes us to, to really have to stretch, we could jump over here to this church. It's a lot easier. I can, I can feel comfortable here. So I, I like what I hear here. And the Bible talks about it, and it warns us about this. It's important because you know why? What about your children? Do you let your children pick what they're going to eat every day when they're growing up? No, because why? If we let our kids pick what they want to eat, they'll have ice cream, candy, they'll have pizza, and that's all they'll have for dinner. 
And as parents, we know we've got to be the gatekeeper of a healthy nutritionist diet for their life. Those things are all right in moderation, but I got to make sure they're getting balanced. And sometimes they got to eat the broccoli. Sometimes they got to eat the greens, and sometimes they got to eat the corn, and sometimes they got to drink the milk, and sometimes they got to do things they don't necessarily like. Why? Because we're trying to grow healthy children. And if we let them decide, they won't grow up healthy. They'll do what they like. And some of us here, as to what we are spiritually, will run off to every church that does something we like instead of staying planted and being there the long haul to let God grow strong foundation, strong roots in your life. And sometimes you got to listen to things that hurt. Sometimes you got to take things you don't necessarily like, but it's the spiritual broccoli you need to build a strong immune system in your life that God's trying to do in your life. He's trying to set you up for greatness. Quit jumping off and going after everything else and saying, you know what, I'll get there on my own. I want to go. I read that book. I'm ready to have it right now. I'm going to go follow this ministry. I'm going to go do this and that. No, stay planted. That's where you grow a strong foundation. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's preaching really good today. See, if you're going to grow and grow that foundation, you're going to have to do some things you don't necessarily like. Second Timothy, he, he laid it out for us, Second Timothy 4. He said, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, encourage your people with good teaching. For time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who tell them whatever they itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and they'll chase after myths. So he prophesied and told us times are coming when people are going to want to do that. But if you want to build a strong foundation, you stay planted. And you got to listen through the times even when it's not what you necessarily want to hear. But it's what God wants you to have to bring balance into your life. Mature believers accept the whole word, not just what feels good to them. So let's, let's lay two foundations today. This whole month, we're going to lay these elementary foundations that he talked about. So we must lay these foundations first and then elevate to maturity. Let's lay these two foundations today. We already read them in Hebrews 6.1. Repentance from dead works and faith toward God. These were the first two he listed. Repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Let me give you three truths today that are going to help us understand this. Truth number one, we are not free agents. We are owned by God and are totally accountable to him in every area of our lives. Laying a strong foundation comes to a point where you say, this: I don't belong to myself. And that's what Paul told us at the end of Romans. I give myself now as a sacrifice. My body is a sacrifice to you, God. It now belongs to you. And the person who has a strong foundation comes to a point where it says, I don't own myself. God, my body belongs to you. God, my future belongs to you. God, my will, my emotions, my heart, my mind, it all belongs to you. And I am accountable in every area of my life. God, you need to correct me, you correct me. God, you lead me. God, you push me. God, you pull me. God, you direct me. God, it all belongs to you. 1 Corinthians six nineteen backs this up. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is inside of us, whom you have from God and you're not your own? For you were bought 
with a price. For you were not your own, you were bought with a price. What Jesus did on the cross. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So the mature, strong foundation says, God, it all belongs to you. My body belongs to you. My heart belongs to you. My mind, my future, my dreams, it belongs to you, God. It's about that. I repent of the dead works in my life. What's that mean? That means I repent of times when I did what I wanted to do without consulting God. We're all guilty of it. We've all made mistakes. We get ahead of ourselves. We have something we want really bad. And instead of, instead of consulting God, praying about it, and really saying, God, is this really what you want me to do? We get excited about it, and we, we jump out ahead of God. And instead of saying, you know, repent of dead works, it's God, forgive me of the times of my life when I've done things that you probably didn't want me to do. But I was so gung-ho on doing it, I didn't consult you. I didn't slow down to ask you, God, is this what you want me to do? And so I repent that I tried to lead my own way and I come back and I begin to lay the foundation saying, God, you direct my every day of my path. God, you are in control. Why? Because God understands the future I do not. Remember the timeline I've, I've taught you about. On the timeline of our life, our past, our present, and our future. I can't see beyond the near future right here. I can only see in a matter of a few days, a few weeks, what's going on. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what's going to happen next year. I, I have plans and I, I hopes, but really I can't see that. There's only one person who can see that, and that's God. God has the ability to be present in my future, in my present, and in my past. And so if I'm going to give anybody control of my life, should it not be the person who's already seeing the future and the future he has for my life? God, I repent. I've tried to control my timeline. God, I, I want to get back where you're in control of my timeline. God, you're in control. I'm consulting you in my life, every area of my life. I belong to God. Well, we want to be what? We want to be rebellious. I not only I can do this. I don't need God. I do my own thing. And we operate without even realizing we can operate in a spirit of rebellion. The only problem is the Bible says that when we operate in a spirit of rebellion, that's like operating in the spirit of witchcraft. Well, that's, that's an evil thing to God. God why? Because God doesn't want you rebelling against him. He wants you to lay a strong foundation that says, God, I, you're in control. You know more than me. God, you got this, not me. See, the truth number two is this. We are totally incapable of running our own lives. It's why we turn to Christ in the first place. Let's be honest. We, we, can't, run, we, we, can't, we, can't, we can't run our own life the way we really need to. Yeah. Some of you are wise and some of you are smart, but you still messed up your own life. Come on now. I've messed my life before. You've messed up your life before. Why? Because we're incapable. We, we can't do this. We're incapable of running our own lives. It's why we give our life to Christ. Look what John 10 says. Then Jesus said to them, again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep, they couldn't recognize them. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and I will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives life to his sheep. God calls us sheep. Jesus calls us sheep. David called us sheep. All throughout the Bible, we are referred to as sheep. Only one problem. 
Sheep are not that smart. So if I really, can we just read between the lines today? Come on now. Say, Pastor Gene, let's just read between the lines. I think Jesus is calling us dumb. I really do. He called, he called us sheep. And sheep really aren't that smart. I saw this video the other day, and I think it kind of sums it up. This kind of reminds me of us as well. Have you seen this video of the sheep who's stuck in the hole? Let's get that sheep out of there. Yeah. Yeah, call, yeah, come on, give a hand. You can tell. Yes, yeah, yeah. Hey! Oof, right back in. All right, there we go. Say this. Dumb! How many of us has God pulled us out of the hole we were in only for us to jump right back in a few weeks later? God, you got me out of that mess, and we go back and find ourselves in the same mess next month. Come on, we're not that smart. Sheep need help navigating. Someone's got to show them along the way. Otherwise, they're always lost. They've got to, they need help with navigation. They can't protect themselves. They're vulnerable. They get picked off really easy. They need the shepherd. This is what Jesus said. You know, Jesus always designed us to walk close to him. In the original book of Genesis, we see where Adam and Eve were created to walk with God daily in the garden. He never intended for us to do, go on our own way. His perfect plan was for us to always walk with him so that he could direct our path, so that he could let us avoid some of the pitfalls of life, so that he could build a strong building on top of the foundation he's laying in our life. He always intended for us to walk that way. We take pride in saying, I'm an independent person. And I get it. We want to raise our children to have independence. There's nothing wrong with that. Having strong people making strong decisions. Don't have to lean. I get that, okay? But listen, the strongest person there is, the most excellent. You want to, you want to know what excellence looks like? This is what excellence looks like. I really need Jesus. That's what excellence looks like. And even though I'm a strong person, I am weak without God. I am weak without God directing me. I am weak without God's power. I am weak without God's Holy Spirit in my life. I'm weak without God. And I cannot function. I will not function. I will not take another step in my own power. But I'm going to allow God to lead my life. That's laying that strong foundation. Laying the strong foundation right there. God is wanting us to look to him for every single area. Paul said, when I am weak, he is strong. See, there's power in our weakness. There's power when we acknowledge our limitations. God, I'm weak without you. Then I allow God to become strong in my life. I can tell you this, every great encounter I've ever had with God Every great encounter where God did something, spoke to me deeply, moved me deeply, healed me deeply, was when I was at my weakest. It was at my weakest points of my life that God showed up and carried me. It was at my weakest points of my life that God showed up and healed me. It was at my weakest points that God showed up and encouraged me. It was at my weakest points of my life that God showed out in my life. Why? Because when I was weak, he was able to become strong. Because when I'm weak, let's be honest, when I'm weak, I pray more. When I'm weak, I worship more. When I'm weak, I meditate on God more. When I'm weak, I'm talking to God more because I know, God, I am low. God, I'm in trouble. God, I need you. And so my dependence goes upon him, and it's exactly where he wants me.
That's the strong foundation we're laying. When I'm weak, he is strong. And let's be honest, when I feel independent from God, it's when I face destruction in my life. Anytime I've had destructive behavior, it's because I felt independent of God. And the last truth I'm going to give you, God created us with a detailed plan and purpose for our lives. And only he can guide us there. So we're remembering the timeline that God, you know my past, you know my present, and you know the future. And if God has knows my future, then I need to trust the one who's in charge of my future. I'm looking at myself to navigate my future when I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, more or less a year from now or two years from now. I don't know what's going to happen. God does. And so why not lean into him and allow the one who knows what you need for the future, the one who knows the tools you're going to need for the future, the one who knows the relationships you're going to need for the future, the one who knows the job you're going to need for the future, the one who knows exactly who you need to walk out the future with. He knows these things. Why not lean into him and say, God, no, you make this decision for my life. God, God, you are leading me. Because you see all, you know all, and you're in control of all. And so now I just got to follow you. I'm going to learn to follow you. God created us with a detailed plan and purpose for our lives. And only he can guide us there. Look at Psalms 139, verse 17. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They are outnumbered. They outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Listen, you cannot write down all the precious thoughts and plans God has for your life. Your brain cannot compute and understand all the precious thoughts God has about you. So therefore, give up control to the one who wants to bless you more than you ever dream or imagine. Give up control to the one who's thinking constantly, I want to bless you. I want to prosper you. I want to take you to a place you've never been. I want to build a strong foundation. I want to build a big structure of your life. God, you know. God, this is the plans you have for my life. God, these are the thoughts you have about me. Why would I be independent of those? No, I want to yield to those. Bring it on, God. Bring it on, God. Bring it on, God. I'm submitting my life to you, and your plans are greater than my ways. God has so many thoughts. We can't even contain them is what it says. Let me tell you, when I was growing up, I was far from a good Christian. I was raised in a good Christian home and I was raised in a good Christian church, but I wasn't, I wasn't a good Christian. I grew up questioning a lot of things in my life. Why did we do this? Why can't we do this? Every rule, every regulation. I'm like, well, show me the Bible. Why we can't do that? I was that kid, you know, Sunday school teacher tried to teach me and I'm like, time out. Why can't we do that? You know, I don't know. Well, don't, I ain't going to do it. Then. That's the way I was. I wanted to question everything. I'd be asking my dad questions and like, boy, just catch on, learn. You know, you know, I'm like, dad, that don't make sense to me. So I grew up and I can, if I can be completely honest, I, I, I didn't really like a lot of what I saw Jesus be. And, but I remember as I graduated high school and after my first year out, I, I was a Christian. I, I would have, I'd go to heaven if, if I had died. I, I believe I would have gone to heaven, but I was just so 
wondering, Daryl, I just was like lost. I didn't know exactly where I fit in with God. Does, does God really love me? Is grace big for me? But I'm walking around here and feeling guilty all the time because of my sin. As, but they're saying I'm free. And this didn't make sense the way they were teaching it to me. And I remember I was feeling lost and I was in that first year of college when you can't figure out what you want to do. You know, you got like four or five majors that really sound interesting to you, but you don't know which one you want to pick. Any college students know what I'm talking about? You just, you just don't know yet. You're like kind of figuring out. Anybody ever been there? We're trying to figure out your major and what you want to do. That was me. And so I was like, after my first year of college, I said, you know, I just, I'm going to go spend a year at a Christian college and just find myself. That's what I said. I'm going to go find myself. And so I didn't know what that looked like. I just knew I, I had a, I knew God was working on the inside of me, but I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't even understand what that looked like. I just knew God was starting to pull me for something different. And so I was like, well, I'll go to a Christian college and there I'll probably find my purpose. And then I get back to my major, what I want to do in my life. And I walked into campus and right away I was like, this is going to be fun, man. We're going to have fun. And, you know, I, I was coming there and, and uh, I was with a bunch of preachers and wannabe preachers and pastors and wannabe pastors and you know, and I was coming in bringing, bringing a lot of fun to the place. It, it's like, you know, it's time for curfew, and I come into the dorm. Like, all right, who's sneaking out tonight? Let's go out and play football in the middle of the night. Let's go, do, let's go out and get something to eat. Let's go do all this stuff. Like, let's, let's bring some fun. And they're in there, like, having Bible study. and like, taking communion. I'm like, dude, it's not even Sunday. What are you doing? Like, I felt like God called me there just to teach some of these guys to lighten up and have some fun. I right, God. God sent me to you. It's a good thing I'm here. You need me. Lighten up, dude. Have some fun. If we be honest, I probably would have been voted most likely. This is just a true story. I'd have been voted most likely not to be a pastor, voted most likely not to be in ministry. Thank God they didn't have that award or I would have won it. I ran into my, one of my professors at a funeral a few weeks ago and we laughed and she goes, Gene, baby. I can't believe you. I've been watching you online. I can't believe what God's doing in your life. I never, ever, ever would have dreamed. I was like, me either. Me either. See, that, that first year when I was trying to find myself, what I didn't tell you was this. In my first year, I had a vision in the middle of a chapel service. In that vision, I saw myself preaching to a lot of people. And I wasn't just preaching. I was teaching it in a way where people could understand and I was not dressed up in a suit and tie you know I was dressed up in normal clothes and I was preaching in a way that people could understand and it's like God I know you're calling me and I can't do it the way I was raised but I know you got something for me in the future and I remember falling to my knees and said God whatever that is I say yes to that, God. If that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. I didn't say yes, I'd preach. I didn't say yes, I'd be a pastor. But I was still dead set against any of that. But I did say this, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. As I laid that foundation in my life, it started me on a journey where God can begin to build things in my life. It was the point where I said, God, I'm giving up my future for you. Whatever, God. I got dreams, but God, your dreams are more important than my dreams. God, I will do whatever it is, even if you, even if you want me to do the very thing I don't want to do. I will do it for you. 
It's a process we all got to get to in our life as we build that foundation. God, it's not my will, it's, it's yours. God, whatever you want for my life. God, it's not what I want for my children. God, what do you want for my children? God, it's not what I want for my future. God, what do you want for my future? I repent of the dead works of me going after my selfish ambition. And I say, God, I now submit to your glory. I now submit to your will. And I say, God, I submit my whole life into following you. See, God loves us more. Look at this. God loves us more than we love ourselves. And he will bless us more than we will bless ourselves. Isn't that amazing? What are you you scared of? He loves you more than you love yourself. He can bless you more than you can bless yourself. So what what are you afraid of? Why not give control to him? Why not surrender control of your life to him? I'm telling you, I've never, ever regretted it. So I look back and see my children running sound and running cameras, leading worship, teaching in classrooms, kneeling for prayer out in the middle of a stadium full of people. He doesn't care who else is around watching them pray. So I watch all those things. I never, ever will regret this decision to say, God, whatever you want, whatever you want, God, whatever you want. Because it's just not my future, it's their future as well. I want to lay my foundation, my kids, and soon-to-be grandkids. the Spirit of God leading us this morning to a different direction. So let's do this. Let's, let's bow our heads. Maybe some of you just need to take that moment right now and say, God, I, I need to have that moment where I drop to my knees and say, God, yes, whatever you want. God, speak it to you. If that's you, just drop out to your knees. Maybe where you're sitting in your aisle or the aisle next to you. Maybe you want to come to the front. You want to kneel right here in the front. That's okay. If God's speaking to you to have that moment of yes, I, I want you to do it right now where you're at. Don't hesitate. Say, God, I want to sit down. Say, God, I want to lay the foundation of yes, no matter what, God. Come on, humble yourself before the Lord. Say, God, I just kneel and say yes. God, we say yes today. Help us to die to ourselves, God. Help us to get rid of dead works in our life. Forgive us for allowing the foundation to be weakened by our own lack of faith, our own lack of desire to follow you, God. Today, God, we say yes. We say yes to you, God. God, you love us more than we love ourselves. God, you want to bless us more than we want to bless ourselves. moment, God, we'll never forget. We say yes to you, God. We say yes to you, God. May we lay this foundation of yes in our life to you. God, forgive us for making unwise decisions without following your counsel. But now we pray you redeem going forward, God, as we just say, God, we need to say yes to you. Redeem, God, going forward. We say yes to you.
you stand before the Lord. We're going to close out with a song today. As we get ready to close out, I want you to say, God, I surrender it all to you. I surrender all of my life to you today. Help me to rebuild my foundation. Some of you built a strong foundation, but you got some cracks in it. It's time to say, God, help me repair those cracks. Help me get that foundation right so that you can build the next level that you're ready to do in my life. Let's make it personal as we sing to him.
more time. I invite you. Can we lift our hands to God and say, God, I surrender my life to you fully today. We say yes to you, Jesus. God, teach us what it means to build a strong foundation. Lord, I just pray, God, I know that you're doing something in the room today, God. Lord, you're repairing foundations. There's a repairing going on today. For some people, they're building for the first time. For others, they're, you're building the weak spots stronger again, God. And I thank you, God, that you love us enough not to overbuild on our foundation. Teach us, God, to lay a solid foundation for our life, for our marriage, for our children, for our family. And we believe the best is yet to come as we slow down, evaluate our foundation, and prepare for something big to be built on the foundation of the Lord in our life. If you receive that word, can you put an amen to me and give me hands together? Amen. Yeah.